I'm glad you chose to join us today. Today's date is July 27, 2021. The title for this sermon is titled, The Grace of Giving. The text we will be reading from is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and I will be beginning at verse 7. It goes as follows, but let me tell you, this is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. So it goes as like this. But just as you excelled in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you. But I want you to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish this work so that your eager willingness to do so may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable, is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality at the present time. Your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. The reading of God's word. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a, a sermon on, on giving. And I would call it a, a love offering. And Father, I just ask that you would help me. You would give me the words. And through your Holy Spirit, will you allow us to hear from you in such a way that we not only grasp what you're trying to say through scripture, but Lord, that we can more, uh, more importantly, that we would be able to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace of giving. Another version words it, the gracious act of giving. The act of graciously giving to the Lord. I've also heard this kind of giving as a love offering. I do not think Paul is referring to tithe, although I believe some who give to the church give a love offering instead of a tithe because the difference is not taught. Because of that, I thought I would take a few minutes to explain tithing. Tithing is a biblical concept where one gives a tenth of all he earns to God. Excuse me one second. Today we do that through our tithes and offerings. 
which because of the pandemic has been turned into a, a box on the back of the sanctuary where we give our tithes and offerings. <laughs> uh, because of the pandemic, we no longer pass the plates. In Paul's day and throughout history, pagan worshipers would give offerings to their God. This act takes on many forms, and these forms would disgust us today. But what makes the act of tithing to God different was and is, it's an act of faith. One might say, how is it an act of faith? The biblical words for this act of giving is called giving of our first fruits. That means whatever we get from our labor, we calculate a tenth of it and give it to God. In the early days, it was their crops and livestock. As soon as the harvest was complete, a tenth was separated and given to the temple priest as a tithe. The worshiper would then live off the remaining 90%, trusting that God would provide for their needs with 90% rather than 100%. Again, one might say, that doesn't sound so bad. If I were a farmer or a rancher, I could do that. <laughs> Today, most of us deal with currency rather than crops and livestock so that it looks a little different, but the concept is the same. We get money from several sources, jobs, government, gifts, donations, you name it. To tithe today is to give a tenth off the top, and it looks like this. Whatever money you get, you separate 10% and give that to God. That is why we call our collections tithes and offerings. When you do that, you are now living by faith, trusting that God will take care of your needs through the remaining 90%. God takes tithing seriously. And in the book of Malachi, to not give a tenth is called stealing from God. That is, a, that is the definition of tithing. I believe most of Paul's audience, Paul's audience were already given their tithe. From our text today, the phrase giving graciously is what is called an offering which is different than a tithe. In our church, we collect tithes and offerings, a tenth, and then the offerings. Tithe is 10% of offering is above and beyond. Excuse me. Tithe is 10% and offerings is above and beyond that. Monies towards building projects, uh, serve Quincy Valley, missionaries, sponsoring children in third world countries, giving to compassionate ministries, all monies above and beyond are called offerings. Again, the list is very inclusive. But that is what I believe Paul is referring to. I want to say Nazarenes and the Nazarene church are famous for taking such offerings. <laughs> As when Kathy and I uh, first met and were starting to date, she started to attend the Nazarene church with me. Along with the tithes, there were two other offering or giving opportunities on this particular Sunday. You know, 
chances to give. I Exactly what the offerings were, I, I do not remember. But it seemed like we always had a project going on. Mission in, missions uh, is, a, is a possibility. And we were in a building project at the time, so that could have been a possibility. But often, or should I say sometimes, the plates were passed two or three times during a worship service. <laughs> uh, one time when Kathy and I were finishing a camping trip, we cleaned up and attended the, Naz the Leavenworth Church of the Nazarene. It was in the old sanctuary, so you know that it was uh, some time ago. After the first time they passed the plate, the service went along, and then they mentioned an upcoming project and passed the plate again. <laughs> uh, my, dear, my dear wife, Kathy, leans over and says to me, At least we know we're in the right church. I heard one general superintendent say, as she was speaking, that she was so excited that we should take an offering. And so we did. In the first letter to the church in Corinth, that would be 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the Corinthian church systematically took up a collection for the mother church in Jerusalem because they were going through a drought. One year later, that's where our text is today, the drought's still going on, but other church plants were taking up offerings for the church in Jerusalem. Listen to the first part of our chapter. It wasn't part of our text, our reading point, but listen to this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting at verse 1. The Apostle Paul writing, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they, not do, they, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. That is a love offering. Out of their poverty sprung rich generosity. They urgently pleaded for the privilege to give to the church in Jerusalem. <laughs> Did they give a lot? We don't really know. I would say probably not. Just like my tithes and offerings is small and trivial compared to what others give, but how we give it makes all the difference to God. Do we give it with a grateful heart or out of gratitude? Or do we give it grudgingly? Verse 7, Paul says, Just as you excelled in everything, Corinthians, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in your love for us see that you also excel in the grace of giving in essence paul is saying corinthians you are give you are good at giving in everything now excel in giving in verse 9 paul uses jesus as our example 
again in essence, although Jesus is rich by virtue of being God's son, he chose to be poor and die in our place so that we might become rich through salvation. And then in verses 10, 11, and 12, Paul explains that what they started as a church one year earlier can be brought to completion if they finish what they started. Unless you have read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you would not be aware that just one year earlier, this church plant heard of the terrible time their mother church in Jerusalem was going through. And they wanted to do something, so they started to systematically put aside an offering, a love offering. They were the first to do so, Paul says. And now one year later, the Macedonian churches have started taking up an offering as well. Now Paul is saying to the Corinthians, Corinthians, finish what you started. Verse 12 is a, a couple, in a couple different versions, I believe, help clarify Paul's meaning. He says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you do not have. And this is the, the message. Once the commitment is clear, what you're going to give. You do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. I like that phrase. The heart regulates the hand. And from our version we read from today. For if, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. <laughs> uh, sometimes there is pressure to give the offering above and beyond our tithes. In Jesus' day, the, the noise of the coins being dropped into the container could be heard for several feet away. The louder the noise, the more you gave. Kind of like counting your followers on Facebook or how many likes you got. Paul is saying that if your offering and your willingness is there, then you are giving for the right reasons. And the right reasons are that you are giving it to God. To apply that today, it means that you are, your giving is an extension of Jesus' hands to the world God graciously allows us to participate in. You are being used by God, so be a cheerful giver. And then verse 12, Paul is also saying not to give out of what you don't have, but what you do have. <laughs> to me, I struggle with that idea just a little bit. I mean, I understand what he's saying about overcommitting because uh, I struggle with that because it seems to differ from what he just praised the Macedonian church for. Second uh, Corinthians 8.3, Paul saying, For I testify that the Macedonian church gave as much as they were able even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. And then verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave it themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. In verse 12, Paul is saying to keep within 
your means. But the Macedonian church, he praises for their sacrificial giving. I believe God honors sacrificial giving because, in fact, that is of faith. If it is done like the Macedonian church, they first gave themselves to God and then gave from their heart. A heart plays a big role in how God sees and accepts our tithes and offerings. For Paul says in the next chapter, uh, chapter uh 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each man and woman should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we are given to God with our hearts right, we enter the realm of God's economy. The realm of God's economy is where you see the hand of God working in your life. By the world standards, it does not make sense. Where the miracle of God's provision kicks in and you, and you cannot seem to explain it. There has been several months where uh, Kathy and I held the list of bills in one hand and shaking our heads because we cannot explain how everything got played. Everything got paid. Did we have anything left over? No, or hardly anything, but that's not the point. The point is that we trusted God enough to give him our tithes off the top, and he did the rest. He performed the miracle of making sure our bills got paid. If you enter this realm, it will not be a, an easy-peasy where uh, uh, everything is sprinkled with fairy dust. It won't be like that at all. You will even question the wisdom of it all, where you think, I should have hung on to the 10% that I've already gave to God. But if you hang on, you will see how God will provide. Praise God. Paul says in verses 13 and 14 that you don't give our offering so that others can escape through life, but that there will be a quality. I think one needs to be careful not to read too much into that, that statement. And do not uh, put a political swing on it. We must remember that this is a love offering given from our hearts for the needs of others. For God, uh, for God to do what he sees fit with it. When the gift is given in this fashion, we glorify and praise God for the opportunity to be a part of his work. Does the Quincy Church of the Nazarene participate in this kind of offering? <laughs> the short answer is yes, although you do not see the opportunities and we do not pass the plate or uh, request special offerings very often. Because through our tithes and offerings, we not only take care of our local needs, in addition to that, we support world missions. We pay our district budgets and uh, uh, we take care of our district needs. We support our regional college. Uh, uh, we uh, are given a special offering for the Oaxaca Church of the Nazarene in Oaxaca, Mexico. We've been doing this for four years. Locally, 
our church supports Serve Quincy Valley, uh, where we help uh, uh, or participate with uh, other churches helping the needs of those who uh, most recently had that apartment burn and families were on the street. Serve Quincy kicked in there. And as you can see, painting the outside of our building, all of this is accomplished because of your faithful giving. The last verse, verse 15, Paul says, as it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and who who gathered little did not have too little. <laughs> that saying was recorded after God gave the Israelites manna, bread from heaven. Every morning, families would go out and gather as much bread they needed to take care of their daily need. It was a miracle that lasted for 40 years while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. God's economy is a wonderful thing. God calls each of us, each of us, to live by faith, to trust Him in every area of our lives. The Corinthian church was commended for exercising their spiritual gifts. Then Paul says, with that same exuberance, enter the realm of giving graciously. Today, right now. How are you doing in the area of giving? Do you give with a tight, closed fist, grudgingly? Or do you give to God graciously and generously? Will you bow your heart? <laughs> Will you bow your heads with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this may be a hard sermon for some, for some to hear. But Lord, I am convinced it's only a hard sermon to hear because they are unable to release and live out of the palm of, of you, Father where we give you 10% right off the top and trust you to provide for us with the 90%. And then, Lord, this may be a hard sermon to hear because it's hard for us not to uh, uh, hang on to what we have. But, Father, when we realize that everything that we have is a gracious gift from you. Makes it easier for us with a right heart, a right attitude to give to you. So Father, I just ask as a blessing from you that we would be able to live exactly like that with open palms for you to use whatever you have given us to further your kingdom, for your glory, for your praise. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to next week as well. God bless you. Bye.